an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and today we are going to talk about jobs, specifically uh, jobs with coronavirus. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to start off by welcoming all of you to the show, those of you who are listening here on the radio, um, and those of you who might be listening on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Periscope, um, or any of those platforms, or even on podcast. And I'd like to welcome you guys into the conversation on this, because I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, so if you're listening on the live stream right now and uh, you want to be a part of the discussion, please feel free to jump in. Um, or if you're listening on the radio, 585-346-3000. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to talk about um, will the coronavirus essentially forever change how people decide what jobs that they want to take, um, what career path they're going to go down, and um, you know what businesses they're going to invest in. But before we talk about that, I do want to pick up the discussion that Kevin and I left off with yesterday about Elon Musk because uh, he he went ahead. He did some. Uh, we'll call it. Uh, it's not really racy, but but I would say he's he's taking a stand that I think some people wish they could, and I think other people are pretty upset about. Um, and, and that stand is, he said he was going to open up Tesla's factories in California, uh, whether the government was going to allow them to or not. And I know that for some people that, that made them pretty uncomfortable for other people, they're cheering him on saying, this is a great thing. Um, businesses shouldn't be asking for permission. Instead, they should stand up and say, government, I have a right to work. I have a right to run my business. I have a right to the job that I voluntarily acquired through just means. Um, and I should be allowed to work that job as long as I'm not putting others at risk. Um, oh, it sounds like Bob just joined us in studio. Bob, welcome to the show. Oh, you're talking about my hero, Elon Musk. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not that I can afford one of his cars. And and quite honestly, up to now, I, I've always felt that he's kind of a, you know, crony capital, you know, government supporting kind of guy. Uh, yeah, but uh, boy, I'll tell you, he's spot on with his stance as far as as running his business. And and I and uh, I don't want to get ahead of you, but I I, I know that he wants to uh, he wants to pull out of California now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was kind of the threat, right? And and kind of as this is happening, um, Elon Musk has been kind of at battle with CNN as well. So this all kind of intertwines because. Uh, a couple months ago, maybe not even a couple months ago, I think it just feels that way because of quarantine. Um, a few weeks ago, I believe it was, CNN 
ran an article saying that Elon Musk didn't make good on his promise to California um, because Tesla said that they were going to build and donate respirators uh, to the state of California or to hospitals in California, so, something along those lines. CNN ran this article against him saying that none of his ventilators were ever delivered as promised, you know, this, this whole entire thing. Um, and Elon Musk tweeted that he can't believe that CNN is still in business because not only did he deliver the ventilators, but he had receipts um, from the California Department of Health and also thank you notes from the hospitals that he donated them to. Well, who's surprised by that? I mean, yeah, look, yeah, I, no, I, he would he would not be a member of a very exclusive group in doubting uh, the financial viability of CNN, because basically I think CNN's audience is almost entirely in airports these days. Yeah, yeah, could could be. And so what what turned out is CNN said, well, this is what the governor's office told us. The governor of California told us that they didn't do this and kind of try to, you know, shift the blame over. Um, about the fact that they didn't do their due diligence. So now oh, all of this stuff is happening, and uh, Elon Musk says, hey, if California is not going to allow our factories to operate, we will move our factories elsewhere where we can operate. And CNN, I just saw this morning, they're, they're running articles saying, that's not true. Tesla isn't actually going to really move their factories. Elon Musk is just full of it. Um, he he can't actually do that anyways. And it's like, uh, what, what is this thing CNN has with well, Elon Musk? You know, a, I, I don't know. They're even dumber than they look. Uh, you know, I mean, that's exactly what they need to do is dare him to leave. Because he's the kind of guy, uh, Elon Musk strikes me as kind of an impetuous sort of guy. Uh, and if, uh, if, if he gets, if he gets pushed into a corner by the likes of CNN, I wouldn't be at all surprised that he acts on it. And by the way, I, I did not, I heard the comments made by Musk. That didn't sound like an empty threat to me. I, that sounds, no, no, that sounds to me so. like, that sounds to me like a guy who's fed up and he's out of there if they don't clean up their act, which of course they're too stupid. They won't do. They're exactly like Andrew Cuomo, who I'm looking at right now. He's doing his usual harangue noonday harangue uh pointing his finger at the camera I, that's that's so endearing when politicians do that i love that uh but uh you know i mean uh, andrew cuomo has basically said to many in industry in this state good riddance yeah you want to leave i go to another state well that's because you're stupid because everything is so perfect here in the great nirvana of the northeast and that's that's why before coronavirus, he was looking at a ten billion dollar deficit. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I I couldn't agree more. I think Elon Musk, um, if the state of California is going to continue to push on Tesla, um, I I think that of of all the people you're going to push, you know, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, um, Bezos, like the, those are probably the three guys in the U S that could make a statement like, you know what, we'll pull out and go elsewhere. And then if you push them, they have the resources, they, they have the ability and they could say, okay, yeah, you know what? Um, we're gonna, they don't even have to buy an existing factory. Like that's what CNN was like, oh, there's no factory that exists right now that they could just move to. They've got the money. They'll just build a new one and then they'll tout. <laughs> 
all the jobs that they created with the construction, you know? So it's it, win-win for them. Yeah, how out of touch CNN can be, like it w- wouldn't occur to them because, of course, they're statists. They don't understand how capitalism works. So they think that, uh, well, you know, Elon Musk will have to wait for government to write him a check so he'll have the money to build that factory. And no, no, CNN. See, what happens in capitalism is you have the capital, which you've earned, to do the infrastructure to build the factory that you want from the ground up. See, so you buy the land, then you build the factory on top, then you own the whole thing. What a concept. Yeah, yeah, and something that they just clearly don't understand. But, you know, to to their defense, not that I'm defending them, but I see this with government officials all the time, if you haven't actually worked in industry, if you haven't ran a business, um, if you haven't had to innovate and develop a product to survive and pay your bills um you just simply don't have those skills and you don't think that way um so it's hard for you to conceptualize right well it's not surprising because they have been brought up in public education and then in our colleges uh where literally you know the prevalent view in government today i don't know if it's prevalent or not but it sure seems like it that that, uh, any profit that a private organization, a private company makes is due to greed. They, they, they always assign that to greed. No, the accumulation of capital is what enables the development of new products, uh, life-saving drugs, uh, you know, world-changing surgical techniques, great technological things uh, like the Internet. That was a product of capitalism. I think that uh, most people on the political left make pretty regular use, I think, of the Internet. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you, you know, the, the thing that was pretty interesting about Elon Musk's battle with the state of California um, is the tweet, I believe he, he said this yesterday, might have been the day before, uh, where he says um, they're opening. Tesla is going to open with or without government permission. It's going to happen. And that he's going to be there on the lines working with the employees himself. And if the state of California wants to come arrest somebody, the only thing he asks is that they arrest him and not any of the employees. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, that, bold, that, that bold was statement there. Unfortunate signal to send to uh, statists because, of course, what they'll do is exactly the opposite. They'll go pick out some, you know, Joe Sixpack off the line and he's bolting fenders on a Tesla and they'll say, come along with us. And they'll frog march him out of the uh, Tesla plant. But that that might actually work because Elon would be so angered by that. That that plant would be shuttered tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is where we are now. Uh, it has been said that we are really in a state of war with the statists now. And we've seen it. I mean, Anthony Fauci's out there defiantly saying that, uh, you know, if we open our schools this fall, we're crazy. Uh, that, uh, you know, the, the next pandemic is right around the corner. So he's like beating that alarmist drum. And uh, I, I think irresponsibly. Yeah, I, I think, you know, scare tactics are, are not born to us. But I think people are really taking advantage of the situation we're in right now. Guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. 
I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We were uh, just wrapping up talking about Elon Musk, uh, his refusal to listen to the state of California and the county, um, kind of his, his battle going on there. And, you know, that really got me thinking um, about how people are going to choose their future employers. I, I forget, I don't know if you know, Bob, but do you know what the current unemployment numbers are or even something semi-recent in the last week or so for New York? I know it's a lot. It's a- uh, I heard something like around 13%. Yeah, so there's 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 just a lot of people unemployed, some of which when their companies or their jobs open up, they'll be able to go back to work. Um, many of which, though, are going to be seeking new employment, and that could be for any number of reasons. One, uh, maybe their, uh, their previous job just can't offer them that job back. Uh, maybe it wasn't a good fit. Maybe they don't want to go back to that particular employer. Um, maybe that company's out of business because of this, and they're no longer able to uh, provide unemployment. There's there's a lot of reasons. And the first question I would pose to you guys as listeners is um, when people go back to work, are they going to look for employers who have that um, strong image? You know, people like Elon Musk who stood up and said, I'm going to provide these jobs regardless of what the state says. Um, and I'll make sure that we're safe and that our employees are safe and that our customers are safe, but we're going to continue moving forward. Um, or are people going to sit there and think about, you know, this and say they want a, one of the more cautious employers? You know, people who are now saying, which to me is is kind of crazy, but people who are saying even when New York opens up, they think it's too dangerous, so they are not going to open up. Um, you know, what are what are your thoughts, Bob? What, what do you think? People are going to go for the more cautious employers or the more, um, I don't want to say, stronger is probably the wrong word, but stronger kind of feels like the right word. Uh, with re- with regard to, uh, I'm sorry, I was I was looking up the employment rate, and Forbes does say 13% is the number. Uh, it's it's interesting because you really have to do a deep dive on Google to try to find out what the real numbers are, because otherwise you just get all this glad handing stuff from the Department of Unemployment. But uh, it's, say again what the, what the question was. So so I'm just uh, you know kind of brainstorming, talking out loud about whether or not when people look for a new job. Um, if they're going to look for the type of employer that is willing to stay closed longer just in case, or if they're going to look more for the type of employer that um, is going to fight the government and open up earlier than, than allowed. I think people are uh, motivated by self-interest. I, that's human nature. That's the way it's going to be. They're going to look for a job that's going to give them work so that they can support themselves, I think, for the most part, those who are inclined to work. And, of course, we're eliminating from the sample here those who are not interested in working or primarily, you know, uh, raking in government benefits. So they're going to look for somebody that's obviously going to stay open as long as they can and provide a a meaningful uh, living, you know, that uh, that somebody can – can support their family on and give them a sense of security. That's what people are looking for. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I, I would, I would also put in there, you know, obviously if an employer is being reckless, then, then I think that that kind of changes things, right. You know, if somebody's going to open up and they're not going to provide 
um, whatever makes people safe, whether that's hand sanitizer or face masks or an ability to have physical distancing, um, people might feel unsafe because of that. But if the employer says, no, we're going to open up, we found a way to make things safe, um, and it's to that employee's comfort level, I think people are by far going to gravitate um, much more in the direction of people who are saying, no, like this is this is wrong for government to tell me that I need to close my business when I can be safe. It's wrong for the government to say um, that just because my service isn't quote unquote essential that I can't still be safe and provide this service. And I think people are going to you know, head in that direction. I think people get lost in all these issues, to tell you the truth. I, I think that they want they, they, they want they don't want to be broke. They want to have a good standard yeah. of, of living. And I, I, I don't think that, you know, they're going to be primarily motivated by politics. And it's a nuanced issue because when we all start going back to work here, which I think you're going to increasingly see, people are losing patience with this situation. They really are. Uh, and th th what's going to happen is they're, they're going to look for, yeah, they're going to want to feel safe. Uh, but also lurking in the back of people's minds is the fact that they've been lied to so much by government and by the media. You know, for example, I mean, th there's all these audio cuts out there from Fauci, Cornell graduate, I should have known, uh, who uh, uh, was telling us as recently as early March, oh, no, you don't need face masks. Face masks are, are bogus. They're just stupid. They don't really perform any meaningful function. And like within a 10-day period, he's saying that face masks are absolutely necessary to keep you from dropping dead. I'm overstating a little bit, but not by much. So, you know, you got that going on, and then you've got this, you got this cognitive disconnect between the severity that's being reported and people's real-world experience when they get out there. You know, they, they, they don't see all kinds of sick people, and the, the uh, uh, experience of people on the street is that, all right, so I'm wearing this mask. Why? Why am I wearing this mask, you know, on a sunny day? where I can maintain social distancing and I can be safe. I want to get my job back. I want to be able to go to a movie. I want to be able to go to a restaurant. I want to, I want to have normalcy back. Their, their kids have, have been idled for two months. You know, they have no social life. Kids are depressed. Kids are angry, uh, you know, because they haven't had their graduation exercises, and that's certainly understandable. And, and now, you know, pros, prospectively, we have all these smartest people in the room who have been wrong about just about everything when it comes to COVID-19 telling us, no, you got to stay, we got to, you know, we got to keep shut down all summer because you, there could be an outbreak. Oh, and by the yeah. way, there, there might not be school next fall either. What are you talking about? Why don't we do this like one day at a time? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you, you know, the thing, uh, talking about, the the fall school season already just seems so premature to me especially when we're just now talking about reopening things and and it's just reintroducing this constant fear for people um and i i think that you know i i still don't see how the country as a whole and and when i say as a whole i even mean government how it's going to be possible for government to recover on on the amount of money that they're giving out um, 
and some of them are you know deferring and and pushing out tax collection and when government borrows money some of the things they do is bonding which relies on tax collection i i just can't imagine in the midst of all this talking about the fall and and maybe we'll shut down schools in the fall and the the only reason that i can come up with that officials would be talking that far in the future is they're thinking, all right, so if we shut down schools and go online only, we can save X amount of billions of dollars a year on education costs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that government's even that responsible. No. I, and by the way, as long as we're talking about money here, uh, the, one of the big headlines today is Nancy Pelosi's $3 trillion stimulus package that she's pushing. Uh, that would push our debt the U.S. Uh, uh, national debt, to 25 to $27 trillion. And our economy is projected by Goldman Sachs to shrink by 24% to around $16 trillion. This is spelling real, real trouble. We're going, uh, uh, the national debt to GDP ratio goes from 107% a few months ago to 160%. The total world economy, Andrew, is $86 trillion. If we have a $27 trillion debt, we have like a third, we owe a third of the money supply in the entire world. Yeah, that's, those, those are big numbers to think about, Bob. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty scary stuff. And, and I don't think that most people can probably even fathom or grasp how much money that is. I mean, it's, it's basically just like, virtual dollar signs floating around it's it's almost incomprehensible how much debt that really is yeah and and, and making it even worse i mean that's bad enough but then you start to delve into what they want to spend this three trillion dollars on and it's not about helping folks and uh, you know we started to break this down a little bit the last stimulus program uh here on the radio free new york we pointed out that 96 percent of the two trillion we've already borrowed from the last stimulus was was for nonsense political crap, mostly pushed by Democrats. Things like, you know, we've all heard the list, the JFK Center for the Arts, National Public Radio, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, uh, you know, raises for members of the of Congress. I, I mean, and, and on and on. It just uh, it's it's a huge waste of money. Four percent, four percent of the last two trillion made it to the people in forms of direct economic aid. Yeah, this is no good, not acceptable, not okay. But I tell you what, the American people will keep voting these people into office, which just drives me nuts. Guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the types of employers people might uh, choose to look for throughout the coronavirus as as things reopen. But one of the things I think is also important to talk about is the type of jobs in the industries people begin to seek, um, especially kids who are maybe in 10th, 11th and 12th grade. Um 
they haven't started their college track yet. They might be considering going into a specific industry. And now watching this whole coronavirus thing, they might be thinking it's time to shift gears. Um, parents might say they want their kids to go in a different direction. And kids in college might think, uh, maybe the direction I was going in is wrong, incorrect, not going to work for me. Or, or maybe even people who are midway through a career are thinking, well, my job is not essential. Should I look elsewhere? And I, I think that this is something that uh, is really going to change society uh, here in the United States, maybe across the world. I don't know. Um, but I think that we're going to see some industries that were growing um, are going to lose a lot of interest because maybe it was a commodity industry and they got shut down and there was a lot of loss there. And I think people are really going to start thinking twice about entering some of these industries uh, that were, to be honest, thriving, great, amazing industries before all this happened. Well, yeah, no question about it. And and also, I think with the uh, you've already referred to the sea change that's in the works here for the educational experience and kids are going to college. They're, they're going to have a different perspective on things if they're going to be distance learning um, and uh, uh, there's going to be a if the, if this is allowed to continue for much longer, you're going to start seeing employers really rethinking the workforce. They're going to start saying, for example, why do we need all this real estate? Why do we need to have all these buildings and offices and conference centers and everything else if a significant portion of the workforce can function just as efficiently uh, if they uh, if they work from home? Yeah, and I, I think the employers are also questioning some of the staff that they have at this point because they've learned how to get by and be efficient with less staff. And I suspect that there's going to be many industries that kind of re-optimize and reevaluate. Um, do they continue to keep certain positions that were quote-unquote non-essential and they've now spent two months, a little over two months, learning how to run their businesses without these, you know, I don't want to call them extra staff, but staff that they weren't allowed to keep on while this happened. Yeah, the ones that are kind of in the crosshairs, I think, uh, of course, it's going to be different from case to case. You know, every industry is different. But uh, the, the industries where there's a, a thick layer of middle management, whose job primarily it is to keep tracks of the troop, the troops, the, the, the old uh, the old joke goes, uh, you know, management's function is to find out what the troops are up to and get them to knock it off. Uh, but really, what employers are increasingly discovering is that that's unnecessary, that most workers are adults and that they're uh, self-disciplined enough to get the job done without having somebody check up on them all the time. So man- middle management, I would say, is, uh, is, is probably most vulnerable to downsizing. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I also think that what we're going to see here, um, Forbes and uh, McKinsey actually did did this report that they released um, last year saying that in 20 years, 70 million jobs would be replaced by automation. And what I think that we're going to find out here is that the government forcing industries to shut down 
is going to accelerate that timeline significantly because I think employers have been put in the situation where they've had to learn how to automate with people not in the office. That could be as simple as um, using cloud phone technology or cloud scheduling technology, um, whereas before you had somebody sitting there taking calls and, and scheduling things. The technology has always exist, existed for companies to purchase, buy, and use that would allow customers to schedule their appointments directly with apps. I, I think those sort of things um, – People have adopted, moved in the direction of, and and when things turn on, it's it's not going to go back. They're going to say, oh, this is easier. Why do we have somebody in the middle relaying this call? Um, let's let the customer schedule directly. Or things like uh, virtual document signing or online document signing. Before, when people needed to meet up in a room together um, to sign documents, you know, there have been a lot of industries who have adopted online document signing, but now basically everybody has. So why have the room to have somebody meet up with a staff person to sign? And maybe you don't even need that staff person there anymore to witness the signature because the online signature records their IP address, the browser, they put in some personal information to identify they are who they say they are. Um, you know, so these sort of things that have it was going to happen anyways, right? We we know that it was going to happen anyways, but government forcing the shutdown has really accelerated, I think, where we're going to see the 70 million number of jobs that were supposed to be replaced by automation in 20 years. Maybe we see it in half the time because it's been pushed so hard in the last 60 days. Here's something that almost nobody is talking about in the, with regards to this COVID thing. What is the deal with all the government workers all staying on the payroll and, and at full salary uh, when the private sector is being decimated by this? I, I think that's insane, and it's it's also morally wrong. I, you know, the, I, I, the number I saw most recently was, what, one in seven American workers is a federal employee? Those And a lot of those people are, you know, paper pushers in the alphabet soup of government agencies. You find a raid around suburban Washington in Virginia and what have you. Those people need to be furloughed, and the spending needs to stop on keeping them on staff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, before coronavirus hit, um, I believe the numbers I saw was the United States federal government was the largest employer in the country, and then number two was Walmart. Um, and and I got to say, it probably hasn't changed much. And that's that's actually something that we should all seriously take a step back and look at and say, why is the federal government so large that it is the largest employer in the nation? That That's not what the federal government was supposed to be. The federal government was supposed to be small and, and help kind of – you know, hold our rights together, be the foundation um, for our country. I mean, we weren't even supposed to have a standing army. That was supposed to be up to the states. Um, and now look at it. It is the largest employer in the nation. Uh, the government, that, you that's mean. A, yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah, not the, the military, certainly. Yeah, yeah, not the military. No, federal government. So so we look at those things, and, and we really got a question like, you know, and and I know my answer to this, and Bob, I think I know your answer to this. But those of you listening to the show, you gotta ask yourselves: Is this the direction 
that our country was was ever intended to go in. Well, we already know the answer to that. That was ne never supposed to be that way. The federal government was supposed to be limited to, you know, governing the relationships between the states and also to protecting the borders and uh, the you know collective security. Uh, but, uh, you know, since the 1930s, of course, it's the, the public sector has exploded. And we all know what the result of that, what the, you know, what that produces, which is a lot of regulation, a lot of expense, and a lot of government intrusiveness into our lives. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so, you know, with this whole thing, talking about jobs, what jobs people are going to be seeking, what jobs people are looking at, I, I got to tell you, and I'm not a fan of this, I don't like this, but if you're looking for a surefire job that's going to pay you really well and keep you going as an essential worker, uh, maybe you should be looking at the government. <laughs> I don't know. It seems these politicians, they're getting raises. Um, they're getting you know, their paycheck. They're getting their benefits. And uh, the rest of us being forced to shut down seems like the those uh, government jobs have been, uh, you know, the people who are in charge are clearly taking care of themselves. I think that's that's the best way to put it. Guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Just carrying on the discussion about jobs that may be automated in the next 20 years. Um, many of which I think are going to be pushed forward by the government's force of private industry to be shut down. And, you know, before we talk a little bit more about that, I just want to talk about how absolutely wrong it is that our elected officials are shutting down private industry in the state while still themselves collecting a paycheck. Um, I, I just think that that is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and I, I talked about this a little bit a few shows ago, or a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. And I talked about our executives, you know, our mayors, our county execs, our governor. Um, and, and all of them are saying the same thing. They're saying the tax collection is way below projected value. They're going to have to make cuts. They're not going to have the same budget that they initially planned for. Um, I have yet to see a single one of them step up and say, I will forego some of my salary. I'm not saying the whole thing, and I'm not saying how much. Any amount. Because, you know, when this happened, I had to do something similar for my staff. Um, I had to make the decision to forego my salary to keep my employees um, on payroll so that we could keep our company going. And I know that there are thousands and thousands of business owners, um, not just across the state, but also across the country, who have had to make that same decision, who decided that they would um, make that sacrifice to ensure that people could still pay their bills and feed their family and to make sure things were still um, on budget and to take responsibility for the budget and the organization that you're running. 
you know, our elected officials should be responsible um, the same way our business owners are being responsible, where if we see an issue, government can say, oh, coronavirus wasn't our fault. Nobody was anticipating this. You'll hear that echoed time and time again. Well, hey, coronavirus wasn't the fault of small businesses either. And they weren't anticipating government shutting down their industries either. But they've still stepped forward and showed leadership and found a way to work within the budget that they were given, even though that budget became significantly smaller or almost nothing compared to what was projected to come in. Why aren't our elected officials standing up and making those same type of sacrifices, having that same type of responsibility and leadership? Um, and that, that's just something that that's just me. That's my personal opinion on it. Um, and, and I hope that people start asking that question because when it comes time to show leadership, our leaders are not showing that level of leadership. What they're doing is they're getting up on live streams and zoom calls and, and doing press releases while they're collecting a paycheck and the people that they represent are sitting on unemployment or out of business, or on extremely reduced hours to keep their job. Well, it's uh, it's true. I think that the political left is uh, is the political uh, part of the spectrum that's uh, motivated by greed. You never see high-ranking Democrats, you know, devoting a significant part of their salary to charitable causes or to uh, to to you know helping the unfortunate in situations like this. Is Andy Cuomo foregoing his salary? No. Is he donating any money, significant amount of money? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, in, in typical tone deafness, on Mother's Day weekend, when a lot of families out there were mourning the consequences of his disastrous uh, executive order pushing uh, COVID-positive elderly patients into nursing homes and causing about 5,300 deaths, so you had a lot of families out there mourning the loss of their moms and grandmothers, uh, Andy Cuomo took time in his, you know, daily interminable press conference to salute his mom. I'm sure that was uh, cold comfort to those who had lost family members because of his incompetence. And uh, I, I'll give you one positive example, though, Andrew. How about President Trump? Every year he donates his $400,000 salary to something. Uh, it was uh, a Wounded Warriors at one point. Maybe not the organization, but, you know, uh, uh, the military families. Uh, he, every day, every year he, he, uh, donates that. Yeah. And, and good for him. And I'm glad that he's, he's doing that. Um, man, I would love to see that on the local level, you know, and, and also, you know, not everybody has the ability to do that. I understand that. Um, there are people who, who may be listening to this, maybe they're a county legislator, which county legislators, I think at 12,000 a year, maybe 13,000 a year, maybe it's 18. I, I don't know. It's, it's a relatively small number comparatively. Um, it's also a part-time job. Some people make it a full-time job. I understand that. Um, and I can understand if you're sitting here listening to the show as maybe a county legislator and you go, Andrew, wow, like that actually is a big part of my income. If I were to donate all of my legislative salary, that would really hurt my family. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to stand up and say, this is the sacrifice I'm willing to make. This is what I can make because I think it's right for our budget. Um, and really the people I'm looking at is, is those executives. You know, the mayors, they're getting six figures a year. 
the county execs that I think also get six figures a year. The the governor of New York, who's the highest paid governor in the nation. Um, these people and our assembly people, our Senate people, who are also getting an insanely high amount of money paid yeah, to them. They just gave themselves a big fat pay increase uh, last year. How about they give that increase back? Yeah, yeah. Something as simple as that. I mean, why isn't the state legislature get together and roll back the raises that they paid for paid to themselves that they voted on for themselves? That that I think would be a huge step in the direction of the people saying, you know what, um, we're gonna do this. Maybe we don't want to do this, but it's the right thing, and they should roll back the raises they voted for themselves and for the governor. I think a lot of people would see that and go, wow, they made a sacrifice. Now, you and me will look at that and be like, yeah, they're they're sitting pretty cozy and comfy anyways, and maybe that's not a big sacrifice. But I think the general population would see that as a notable sacrifice to make the budget better. Or even if, you know, here's an idea. Now, this is thinking outside the box. How about... How about the state lawmakers just donate the graft every year? They they don't have to dip into their salaries, their legitimate salaries. Just, you know, the kickbacks, uh, you know, the illegal payments, the uh, little cash deals uh, uh, that they get from lobbyists. Just donate the graft, you know, the bribes. uh, We could have it, uh, you know, like a, a corruption telethon. And, no, and and, and no, all Bob, the they, all, all the lawmakers you know they can call in anonymously. They don't have to give their they don't they don't have to give their name or their party affiliation. Just uh, you know uh, you know I took uh, I took uh, five hundred thousand dollars from the power company, uh, and uh, I I'd really like to give it back. You know, Bob, if 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 they did that, they would have a big problem on their hands. There, that New York wouldn't have a deficit in the budget anymore. That's right. There's a massive <laughs> surplus. <laughs> Can you imagine all these people stopping by the TV studios with the you know shadowy guys with paper sacks of cash? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and and then they couldn't you know try to shake down the federal government for you know their quote unquote share of our money. Um, <laughs> you know they'd be like. Wow, you know, uh, Colorado, they, they got a surplus in their budget from uh, legalizing marijuana, but New York, they just donated back all their bribes, and they, they, they got back four times as much as the annual budget. Leading industry in the state. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, guys, I, I do want you to think about, though, some, some of the jobs that, uh, that could possibly become automated, and this is going to have to bleed into another show because we're just about time here. Um, but think about it. Healthcare diagnostic and procedures, they're going automated. Um, some education, you know, this remote distant learning, they're going to automate it, guaranteed. Uh, refuse collection, driving cars. Um, some landscaping, I've already got a little robot that cuts my grass. Um, cleaning, you've got Roombas and Bravas, food prep. Retail outlets are almost virtual already. Uh, there's very few left. Um, delivery services once autonomous vehicles become out there. Uh, That's a lot of stuff for us to think about that I think coronavirus is actually pushing to the forefront for people to think about, hey, uh, some of these industries are going to start shrinking instead of growing as a result of the government's response to coronavirus. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Free New York. And we will be back same time, same place tomorrow. 
Thanks. Send a quick shout out to our fine affiliates along the network line at WACK, AM and FM in Newark, and The Patriot, 1230, 1450, 106.9 in Elmira Corning. Have a great one.